Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Laura Rankford. And I'm Kim Crumley. And together we are Counselor Accents. And Laura. Yes. Tis the end of heading toward the end of the school year. I mean, I see an end in sight. I do too. And it's that time of year where I'm like, am I ready for it to be over or do I need a little bit more time? You know, it's both. It is yeah. both all the things, all the great and wonderful plans, you know, that those I didn't get to, I am like grieving that I did yeah. not get to that. And then at the same time, it's like this year was harder than last year. I'm ready for this year to come to an end. So it's a mix of both. And we, as I, mean, I think all counselors that are listen to, li- listening to this realize this, this is, this ending it up is, is a very stressful time consuming. There is so much that needs to be done needs to be done and you know like last week i was working on scheduling i was registering students going to high school and since i have 10 grades i was pulling the pre-k student out of where he from hiding and it was because he had peed on himself (laughs) i wanted Uh, to say urinate but i didn't know if you you were like let's go let's go informal with this we're all friends here we are i mean he just I don't want to go, I don't want to go get too informal, but yes, it was like, um, I'm like, this is a job. This is a job. So yes, that transitioning lessons that need to be done, we're, we're having to do a lot of counselors are doing testing because uh, they are the building test coordinators in a lot of systems. So it is, I'm worn out talking about it. I know. Not only that, this is spring and it is tornado weather. Your favorite Alabama, my favorite season. And, uh, and it's just because I love weather because I've told, as I've said many times on the podcast, I've had the three strikes, the house blown away, the church blown away and the school blown away and not the same tornado, all three different tornadoes. And this, so that when these things come up, I am very interested in, uh, you know, what's happening next with Alabama weather, but it was your turn. Yes. It was your turn. I get the talking stick on this one. You have the talking stick. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, um, we did not have a tornado, but we had a lot of wind, a lot of wind. And so we were not at home at the time of the wind storm, but I mean, this wind was crazy. Like you'd be driving and your car was getting whipped all over the place. So we got home and I was walking in our front door and I, I kid you not, I had the thought because I knew I knew even more wind was coming that night and there was still that threat of bad weather hanging over us. I thought, man, I feel so bad for our insurance lady tonight because I'll bet she is going to be busy all night. And I happened to see through to our back door and a tree had fallen right there on the back of our house. Um, we do have some damage on the back of our house, but nothing like it didn't fall through the house or anything. It fell on the back deck. And then when we went outside and looked, there are actually two other trees down. One of them happens to be right across the girl's trampoline. So my Ellie Blair, my five-year-old 
sweet and spicy child, as I like to call her. She just went into like a fit of crying. I said, what is wrong with you? And she was like, our trampoline. And I said, we will get another one. And she said, but I'm not going to be able to go out for my morning jump. Never in this child's life has she gone out for a morning jump, but she felt like now that opportunity is gone. That opportunity is gone. Yeah. yeah. I, she's like me. I have these, I, I was going to start, I was going to start doing that. That was, but I have laughed at you because I was outside earlier today and we were preparing because we we're speaking tomorrow at a conference. And so we were working on that today and I was outside enjoying some spring weather. And you said, I wish I could go outside except for all the trees are down in my yard. And I'm like, you, you're like Ellie Blair. You never want to be outside. I'm the one who wants to be outside, but all of a sudden, because you can't be outside, you want to be outside. So y'all crack me up. You know me better than to know that I actually want to be outside. uh, I never uh, want to be outside. And that is just the thought that now you can't. The trampoline's gone and you don't have a backyard. That's a struggle in our relationship. We're compatible in a lot of ways, but not that. Not right. And my mind goes back to wherever we were this summer that you insisted on sitting outside, sitting outside. And, uh, I got bitten by a stink bug twice. Who even knew that stink bugs bit? That's right. That is absolutely right. I remember that. I'm like, I'm out there with you five minutes. I got an ant, but I got ant bites on my feet. It's like they were coming out of every animal was coming out of the woods to attack you. And I'm like, like Snow White. five minutes. I was like Snow White, but with insects, like they all wanted to come to me. They all were, it's not the pretty birds. It was all those stink bugs and that was it. Nasty mosquitoes and ants. And yeah, I'm like, she is, you're just, you're just too girly girl, I guess for me. And you're yeah. So back to the tree being down in my yard, um, we can't get to where our lawnmower is because one of the trees is barricading our shed. So we can't Mm. get our lawnmower out. So our yard is like, uh, like the grass is up to my waist. It is like, we are in some kind of, I don't know, Everglades swamp, like <laughs> wheat field. I don't know what it is, but it is, it's bad out there. And I expect our neighbors to egg our yard or whatever. And they can't see the trees down in the back. They just think we're being negligent. So I want to put a sign up in the yard that says trees are down. Trees are down. Everything is barricaded. Well, I do not want you to think just because you've had a couple of trades fall that you are anywhere near the ballpark of me and my tornadic adventures. So before we get started, I would like to share, I said that the next time we do a podcast, I was going to talk about this because it is, it's so hilarious to me, but we we have been on the phone. Well, we're, we're on the phone a lot, but Recently, it seems like we have been on the phone every time we've gone through the drive-thru. Maybe we're going through the drive-thru more. It is the season of drive-thru and not we cooking. Just, we have no time to eat correctly or to fix food for our families or for ourselves. So we are Hence going through the, the 30 pounds I'm carrying around my hips. Thus, thus. Yeah. So anyway, we've been on the phone quite a bit since uh, going through the drive-thru. And it cracks me up because... When you go through the drive-thru, and when I go through the drive-thru, we can't just get our stuff and go. No, no. We make conversation. I want to record our conversations through the drive-thru. This is you, Kim. You will order. And the way that you order, I mean, that's funny in itself because that's a whole other story. 
But then you'll get up to the window and I hear this. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, if I had known it was you, uh, who's your mama? How is, you know, I love your daddy, but tell your mama I love her too, because I don't want her to think anything's up. I love your parents, but of course I love you more. And I'm just thinking, who? And it is. It's every time. And this is you. Oh, girl, those nails. I love <laughs> those nails. Where? What color is that? What color is those? What color? So you can't, I mean, it's like, I can't I say that anytime that we're talking, it's a five minute break while we converse uh-huh. with the drive through worker. It well, I, I go through the McDonald's drive through every day to get my diet, Dr. Pepper, as everyone knows. And so the line was out to the road and I wow. did compliment the girl's nails. And she said, well, I got these for prom. And she said, let me tell you about my dress. And so it doesn't matter that the cars are lined up no. to the road. Uh-uh. I said, well, uh-uh. you know, I come through here every day. I said, next time I come through and you're working, you get your phone ready. Cause I want to see that dress. And I just thought, does this happen in other places or is it just I don't know. I will say that one thing I have noticed, and I don't know why it should hurt feelings because that's what it's for. But like in our town, if you miss the red light, like you don't go on, you can sit there through two red lights. No one will honk. No one will honk. No one. And in fact, we got behind a car who did that. The red light wouldn't change. And, uh, and instead of honking to tell them to scoot up, I mean, we stop traffic, get out, go around. Hey, <laughs> hey, how are you? And uh, if you'll move up, that's going to trigger that. And it's just, but when you go other places, I mean, the minute it turns green, they're honking. Yeah. And that's probably efficient because I mean, then traffic's moving and it's like, oh, I honk because I'm sitting here too long. I need to get moving. But it doesn't matter if you know the person's in a trance on their phone, whatever. It's okay. We don't know what they're going through. They might need that time. We're just going to sit here. So anyway, that is one thing I have noticed. And it's in other Southern states too. They're honkers. I mean, they'll honk. Yeah. Uh, but in our town and I don't, in this area of Alabama, and I've even heard the weathermen talk about that. Like if he goes to other places, they honk. If you, you know, that's, it's like your car is talking. Say, scoot up, move on. Yeah. But I take it as a, an affront. So I will yeah. sit there, I will not honk. And nobody, I mean, if, if you do get a honk, you're like, where are they from? Right. How oh, they, dare they honk? Yeah. So it is. I don't know about the drive through, but it's interesting. It's just interesting. Uh, how, how all of that, uh, I, I will say that my nephew got married and they went down the West coast. Um, uh, and they, everywhere they stopped, they, people were buying their meals. Aww. They were just, they, they were just like, these are the greatest, the sweetest people on earth, but, but they probably honk. You know, that so they don't think anything about that. I don't think. Well, so you it's just gave me different. an idea. I'm going to write just married on my car any given day and, and get those meals yeah, paid for. Times are tough. Yeah. And, you know, we go to Minnesota a lot and I know we have people from Minnesota that listen, but we go with my, my son and, uh, 
I just absolutely do not know of a kinder group of, I mean, Aww. I just don't know of any kinder people. I mean, of course I do the Minnesota accent. Yeah. And that oh. gets you really far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? What'd you say? I said that gets you really far. Well, I had to pick it up because they were mimicking my Southern accent. So I had to, I had to give it back to them and, oh, she, when they're, you're telling you how he's, you know, you think, well, it's bad because they're doing it all. Oh, oh. Yeah, gee, and that's just, you figure out, no, it's not bad. That's just they're, they're really empathetic and listening to you. Love people, love to travel, love yeah. that we have this podcast with people from all over the United States with different colloquialisms. Well, we do not have anyone else today on our podcast. It's you and me, but we sort of are incorporating other people. And if you want, we can read these in various accents. But oh, I, I love your accents. I love your accents. Okay. I'll see if I can pull one out for you. Okay. But um, we are going to be sharing a lot of the questions that we have been getting. We're going to put them out here for the world to hear. And because we thought, you know, if, if we get these a lot, and if these are questions that we're asking, probably other people are wondering these same things. Yeah. So, and we're not going to cover all of them. We just picked out a few and we're not experts by any means on it, it's just and part of this is just to kind of discuss this out and part of it is to let you know that that this is happening if you're dealing with it please know that other counselors also because we're you know you may hear that question or you know this discussion topic and go yeah so i'm not the only one that's thinking what or yeah. what am i going to do so we're going to look at some of these and discuss so here we go what's our first up laura well, Kim, this is something that you and I have discussed before, and it was a question that, uh, that we were asked to. So as a new counselor, this person is finding that sometimes um, they may get put in that situation. You know, there's a fine line sometimes between this is something that needs counseling or this is something that may need discipline. And so this counselor is saying that uh, frequently they are in a position where maybe their administrator is at a meeting or off campus and they are put in what they feel is a disciplinary role. And they want to know how to maintain those boundaries. Should they become the disciplinarian if their administrator is off campus? Are they the disciplinarian at that moment? Um or do they stay as the counselor and they're just kind of wanting some like guidance on what to do when they have a, a situation that becomes a disciplinary situation? What say well, you? Know, you know that, that we're not disciplinarians and we never need to be in the role of that disciplinarian because that is not our job description. However, if you are not aware and sometimes your principals are not aware that we do need to be in on the conversations about the behavior. We do need to be looking at the data about the behavior. And often we're on the team when it's dealing with the behavior. So my thought, and then I want to hear what you have, what your thought about this is, is, is to this person, sometimes it's educating that principal. And I remember this process with my principal, my ex-principal, um, in that don't put me in that place of being the disciplinarian. But um, when we're dealing with the behaviors, 
And oftentimes I am the only one that's, that it does not have a class. I'm the, I'm the school counselor and it's behavior wise. And one of the first things I will say to that student is, I am not here to discipline you. When the principal comes back, we're going to have to have that conversation for what you have done. And sometimes I've had to call the parents and say the same thing to the parent. I'm not the disciplinarian. I am concerned about what the, what causes this behavior. And sometimes I'll take notes about that behavior because it's important information for me to know. So I deal with it in that way. If I'm the one that's there and I have to deal with it, I let them know I'm dealing with my lens, with the school counselor lens. And I, I may say, as I did last week to a student, I was there and principal's at a meeting and she's written a hate letter. I can see where my, my, where I can work in that area. You know, where is this hate coming from? Is this bullying? I have all these things. So we're, I'm working out my plan, but then she's aware as the parent becomes aware when I call the parent in, when the principal comes back, his actions or her actions will be the discipline portion of that. So that's how you need to handle it. I, I think. I agree with you. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we've talked in the past about how we are counselors. We are not there to be administrators. And sometimes counselors get caught up in thinking, and I've gotten caught up in thinking too, like, okay, am I making this decision the way that my administrator would? Then I had that aha moment where I thought, no, I don't have to make my decision the same way the administrator would, because I'm not an administrator. I have a counselor brain. I think with that counselor brain. And so I'm very upfront and I'm in a wonderful situation with my principal. I have two administrators and they both are 100% supportive of the role of the counselor. And they know that they know those boundaries. And they, they also get that a lot of behaviors are related to social emotional issues. So we work really well together. If you're in a situation where that's not the case, then I would go in and start saying things like, I, I see this through a counselor perspective. I'm going to hand this off to you because I do believe it needs some administrator involvement and let them know. I think that articulates without just flat out saying you're not going to do it. I think that says, Hey, this is my boundary. I'm a counselor and I think with a counselor brain. I'll be dealing it with it through my lens and my job description. Yeah. And um, so I think that, yeah. And sometimes we advocate for students. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in that advocacy role, we do, it's not that we're, we're leaders, we are leaders. And I think, you know, ASCA says we're leaders. We know that we're leaders within the school. But we do that leadership from the lens of what we're talking with, that advocacy for the child and um, leave the those final decisions of how the discipline will come down to the administrator and stay away from that. And you don't want the kids to see you in that role. Exactly. As and the I disciplinarian, you're there to advocate for them and to help them. And, 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 but we, we're part of that team. We're part of that discussion because we do see that often that there's a layer of underneath that behavior that has to be dealt with. And I do tell kids like you, I do say you're never in trouble when you come in here. Um, but I am up front with, you know, I'm here to handle this part of it, but there may have to be some discipline. And for that, I'm going to send you 
yeah down the hall absolutely but we're going to take care of this here yeah okay we're on the same page with that i hope that helps our uh person that asked that question and let me say this before we move on, yeah. Laura. Do never confuse you're not a disciplinarian with management because yeah, we are still, and I don't think that I don't think that there's any confusion with that, but kids need they love they they need as a parent loves and has boundaries for students. When you have your class, when you say something in the hallway, you know just because we are the school counselor and we're not crossing that line to making those discipline decisions, we still act as an adult and in a role of making sure that we have classroom discipline and management when we are doing our, you know, our small groups or our whole groups or whatever. We don't allow kids to the tail to wag the dog. Yeah. They don't want to, but they do sometimes. I do think that's a trap that in my early years, I got caught in thinking, okay, I, I can't correct this class because I'm not the disciplinarian. So I do yeah. think that's a good point. Are we ready for the second question? We are ready for the second question. All right. Um, okay. This question is something that I know you have dealt with. Um, I worded that really wrong and it's going to be funny whenever I ask this okay. question. Okay. Very good. Um, so the person has asked, how do I help someone who keeps vaping? Now you personally have not had a problem with vaping. Kim. I literally right now have <laughs> smoke. Let me, I'm not finished. Again. I'm not finished. Okay. Okay. So this person says we are seeing an increased amount of vaping at my school and the age range keeps getting younger and younger. How should this be addressed from a school counseling perspective? Go ahead. Oh, Geez, that that's one of those that yes, let's discuss it. But I don't have a perfect answer. This has been a booger, yeah, at our school, and I know that it is in a lot of schools. I mean, I'm hearing from from educators saying they're doing this in the classroom, and the teacher's not aware of it. So yes, in my own school, we have had as young, and this is my own. I don't, I don't. I've heard different grade levels as young as first grade, Mm -hmm. second grade. I had a third grader uh, who would bring these in and and would be vaping. And, you know, things I am seeing that it's amazing to me how the trend for things that used to be for older, I dealt with in the high school level. Then I was dealing with middle school that that was, was high school things in middle school. And it has, this has really been a year that things have crept down into the elementary like never before. Um, You know, the first thing I would do with little ones that are getting these, they're getting their hand on these, is to deal with it with, make sure that if it's repeated and and it might be a situation where you turn it into the Department of Human Resources or whatever your state calls that child protective, yeah, your child protective agencies or whatever. So that would be something I would probably do. Uh, Really looking at that, you know, we do a lot about awareness during October, but I think we may have to do even more and in younger and more specific. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where we really need to address the dangers and the dangers of vaping. Uh, to even younger, younger kids than I thought. So I think next year, that's going to be my plan. These kids are aware uh, of what 
this is, they're doing it. And it is so, I tell you in the middle school, it has been the hardest thing to catch. And I've heard of all kinds of ideas, even schools putting in detectors, which they have, you know, to, to detect. But um, I've had students who were being seen by, uh, they're addicted and they will say that they're addicted. And we kind of changed our, we kind of changed the way we were talking with the, about this with students and we're using language like, do you have a problem? Can we help you? Um, because what we see is for a lot of kids, this has become a true addiction. Mm-hmm. It is a true addiction. And so just telling them, don't bring it to school. Well, they're sneaking, they're bringing it. But when we have a real conversation, uh, like if you accidentally bring one to school and you turn it into us, can we have this conversation? And we've had it. We had it happen last week. A student turned theirs in. I forgot to bring it. And we offer helps. So we kind of changed the, the conversation to how can we get help for you? And so we have, we have sent students, we do have a program in our county that, that we have students who uh, are addicted to vaping. It's very addictive, wow. very, very addictive. And we know that they're putting more than just what nicotine in them, you know, yes. so, or whatever. I know it's not nicotine, but they're putting other drugs, harmful things into these. So it's, it's just, it's just amazing this is the big, this is the big next thing, you know, in our, and, you know, I don't know what's coming next, but um, getting a hold of this, I don't have a clear answer other than change the conversation a bit to, to, if this is a problem, how can we help you? You're still going to be disciplined if you bring it to school, unless you're coming in, turning it in, where we're giving you an out, you know, that way. But yeah, there's kids telling us we can't, we can't stop. I love that you guys have changed the language or changed the, your approach to uh, getting them like what you were just explaining. I am wondering, my mind goes back to uh, this summer. I attended the school resource officer conference in our state. Yeah. And one of the speakers they had was um, somebody who was showing, he spent a lot of time talking about, about vapes and, of what they mix in there and how they're doing it and where they get the stuff to put in there. Mm-hmm. And then like he was showing backpacks that have hidden compartments and he was showing sweatshirts that have hidden compartments and what oh, brands yeah. to look for yeah. and hats yeah. and stuff like that. So I am wondering if that would be beneficial to bring somebody in like that, to talk to your staff um, at the first of the year to bring I think that that would be, I think that would be amazing. And I, you have said that. And now I want to do that. I, I want, I want to, to do that because I, you know, they are wearing the sweatshirts. The girls are sticking them in their bras. Uh, they're hiding them in the ceiling tiles and this is everywhere. Yeah. This is everywhere. Um, and we're hearing, we're hearing this all over. We're hearing this all over. All right. Next question. So this person wants to talk about bullying and let me just say tis the season for bullying to kick up, I believe. Uh, but this person wants to talk about bullying and she said that she's running into an issue where like the parents are automatically siding with their child, like the perpetrator, the person who's doing the bullying 
the parents are saying, no, absolutely not. That wasn't my child. And so she's wanting to bring awareness to the fact that there is a problem. So what advice would you give to that person? You know, this is going to sound, and you may have an answer to this, just because you're asking the questions. Do you want to go with this first or do you want? This is one of those things that I have learned to collect data. Yeah. I always say where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And um, when a student repeated, you know, there's this repetition in their name that's associated. And, you, you know, then you have that conversation with that parent, with that, that same, that same, that same, that same conversation of if it, if it's constantly your child's name is being brought up, we got a situation. And I always go with the, listen, I've got no, your, your child is your child for life. They'll move on from me. So there is no reason, there is nothing I'm going to gain other than to help you help your child. So you have that conversation in a real, a very real way. And it always works, or most, most of the time that will work when I say, you know, they're, and if I know they really are the bully, you know, let's just, they are the issues and we've looked at everything. And I want the parents to recognize this. I will say things like they're going to move on. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to, they're going to go to high school or they're going to move on in life, whatever grade they're on. They're going to be with you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to find avenues for help for this student. And by denying it or taking up for your child and not getting the help that they need, you're going to deal with it. And I've seen that other side of having to deal with that. And it's not pretty. Now's the time to get that help. So I think having the data and the very real conversation that I have nothing to gain other than to help you. Yeah. So any thoughts on that? I think that a lot of times the parents are just, they have a misunderstanding. The child goes home and tells a different version or their perspective, their reality of what actually happened. We've seen a lot of, I was defending myself when really the definition of what they were doing was retaliation, not defending themselves. And so I think it's just like getting all the cards out on the table and explaining the situation so that the parent maybe understands a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But that can be very frustrating. Yeah. That's a tough, that can be very frustrating. Um, and I, I think I've even had parents who are well aware that their student, their child is in, in, I don't, you know, I don't get that, but that's all we can do is present the facts and, you know, either, you know, they're willing to take that in or they're going to have, a, it's going to be a long road to hoe, as we say. And this thought just came to me, but we do, um, this is, a, I don't mean for this to be a shameless plug, but I'm, I am plugging it just because it has helped me. Um, we do have a bullying lesson and I usually do it during the month of October, which is national bully prevention month. Yeah. But in that lesson, and you can find this anywhere, not just our lesson, but we define what bullying is and what it is not. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, it's repeated intentional physical 
or uh, name calling or, you know, that picking, we do a much better job defining it than I did just then. But I do think that that helps when talking with parents, you know, this is the language that I have taught the kids and yeah. Yeah. So, and then you can have that conversation with the one that's having the bully behavior too, to say, you know, would you say that this is what you were doing? It's it's just guided a lot of conversations for me. All right. Next question. And this is a booger. You thought that last one was a booger. They've all been boogers. Yeah. Boogers. (laughs) That could not brawl that out anymore. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. So this person is asking, and I just envision this person throwing their hands up because that's what I want to do whenever I see this question, because, Hey, I am with you. We're all with you. Absenteeism. What in the, as Ellie Blair would say, what in the world do we do with absenteeism? Actually, she has started throwing in variables. So she's her latest one is what in the bat flaps, what in the bat flaps do we do with absenteeism? (laughs) And this is because she learned to not use the cuss word that would go in with, (laughs) which we don't say. So I don't know where she got that. (laughs) Whoever knows. So what the back flaps are we going to do with absenteeism? I mean, what are we going to do with that? Uh, I will say that I think it's going to continue to be a booger, as we have said, because I, this is just my thoughts and I don't have any scientific research behind it, but I am watching not only students increase absenteeism, but teacher and educator absenteeism. Interesting. Coming from the person that spent a week at Disney World. But go ahead. Just, (laughs) I I was speaking though. Remember that? I did work. I do. Um, So the the thing about, I think there was this realization after we all went through this scare of what is this pandemic going to look like? And then everybody, you know, lost neighbors or or friends or our family. And, you know, by Ned, if something came down the pike and I wanted to take a week off, I see educators doing that. And I really think that a lot of what I have witnessed was for their own sanity. You know, I mean, it's been a very rough two years. So as far as the adult absenteeism, I have seen people who I never thought would take time off and they have and then you know of course we had I I don't know two rounds of COVID and that took that brought up the absenteeism but then you have students and we've talked about this Laura we had students who who were using the parents and the students were using this as an excuse just to stay home I mean you know to be absent and they could have came to school. When yeah. you look at their uh, attendance record, it shows that they had COVID, what, 10 times this year? 10 times in three months. And that yeah. was pretty much a record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, but when, you, when you're telling parents, do not send your kid if they are running a fever, if they're, if they're, I mean, even if they're, nose is running or they're sneezing people didn't want to be around that and so 
I don't think that it was, there was any good way to keep absenteeism up over the last two years. Yeah. But what I'm afraid of is this lax attitude is going to, to prevail uh, until, you know, I don't, you know, we had this conversation with the leadership team and I don't think now now was the time to really go crazy with getting absenteeism back in, in track. I, I mean, I just don't think it was going to be possible. Uh, so that may be, that may be something that we look at in the future, a new plan of how to get those back in order. I think we've got a mind shift and a mindset that has not only made absenteeism has always been a problem. I think it made it worse. Yeah. And then some of it just couldn't be helped. So I think we have to regroup maybe as early as next year, but I don't know yeah. when this, when we'll, this is behind us, I think we'll have to regroup and relook at it. Everything's changed. And I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be different too. I agree. So, yeah. And a lot yeah, of schools, I, was... I don't think we're, we're in person all year either. So some people are going to be, you know, I mean, it's just, we were all in different places. Yeah. I was thinking kind of the same thing that this is, I see it as an opportunity to reevaluate some of our policies on attendance and to, to say, okay, you're at home for 10 days. Um, you know, maybe let's do virtual or like, you know, just, I don't know, maybe increase our number of homebound teachers during that time. I don't know, but it is an opportunity to reevaluate and restructure some policies. I would tell this person with absenteeism, start where you can. And we have found that a good place to start often is with tardies. And maybe if you can't control the absences, let's look at increasing punctuality. Let's look at cutting down on the tardies because we know that oftentimes tardies are a contributor to absenteeism. When, and we know, and we made that our goal. You and I, I think you made that it was one of your goals also this year yeah. because we did not want to battle the absenteeism because we have no control over that over right. a year like this past one. But if they're coming to school anyway, why? What was the issue with being late every day? You're you're coming to school, so you weren't sick. Right. So we we tried to look at that. And you're the queen of this. I mean, you brought up your numbers more than anybody in our system. The year well. I did, but you know, I, I do wonder if the days of 99% attendance are long gone. I don't know. We'll see over time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. And it's a booger. No, um, this one is dealing with 504s. So this person says that they're seeing an increased number of 504s in their building. They have no background in special ed or the medical field, but they are having to write these 504s and they are saying, where do they start? How do they know how to sound like they know what they're doing? How do they do these 504s? Well, to begin with, I want to say for our special ed friends, they would tell you 504s are not special ed, but I know what, where she's coming from. I know that's the feeling like I have no idea how to write this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know where my thoughts go, but where do your thoughts go on having to, to do these 504s, Laura? Which I think I know what you're going to say. Do you? Well, I, I would say that a 504 is something that falls under a non-school counseling 
duty. So it's not necessarily something that you have to do as a school counselor, but oftentimes we know that we do what our principal asks us to do. So if this is something that you have to do, I, your school system may have a template for you to follow. Um, so I would follow that template. You, you can assemble a 504 committee and, you know, it is a team decision. It is the decision does not fall entirely on you. You're not the one that's granting a 504 or not. So assemble the team. And we've seen in the past that, yes, maybe there is a diagnosis for something, but not necessarily a need for a 504. So you didn't go where I thought you'd go. Okay. But that was good. That was really good. What you said. No, I, I, I would, I would thought you would say um, that, yes, that is, you do what your principal asks you to do. You're in a school system, but I mean, if it's falls, it's, it's not something unethical you're being asked to do, right. but um, I would be gathering my data to convince my principal or my system that 504s are not my job. Honestly, I knew that's what you were going to say. So I saved that for you. I'm not joking. Uh, I'm not joking. I knew. For that. You knew I was going to say that. Yep. So yes. So I would be collecting my data uh, because we do, we do know that we do those things that don't necessarily, because we're part of the teachers are doing things. They're, they're doing bus duty and we do bus duty and they do, you know, so we do 504s sometimes. But if you can get out of that, I uh, would use data to, especially if you're using a lot of your school counseling time to do the data. I mean, do the 504s. I would get out of it. I and will say this is the first time that our system, we're not as, I used to sit into IEP meetings and write a sign off on that. And we are no longer doing that because we are not administrators and we cannot say this is that. And, and I feel the same way about the 504 is that I can't, as an administrator, tell these teachers, this is how you're going to, this is what you're going to do for this child. So I really strongly feel that it's really not our job. Yeah. But again, you use your data as your weapon uh, to get out of this situation if you, if you can. Yeah. And be a part of the team. Be a part of the team. Yes. Because your input is very, like your input is needed on the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that you make such a good point and I don't want it to get lost if somebody is trying to merge into traffic or something. I'm going to go back to that just to make sure that we stress what you just said, because I think it was very important. But let your administrator know that you're signing off on this legally binding document of a 504 saying that the teacher will make these accommodations or modifications for a student and you have no uh, recourse, like you have no way to enforce because you're not an administrator, you are the counselor. And so I think that's a very uh, good conversation to have, you know, not a demand, but a conversation to say, Hey, and bring that up maybe over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. If you're having to do it, make it a team effort. Yeah. I really would make it a team effort as much as possible. Okay. So any more 
questions? We have one more. All right. So this person has some sort of counseling referral system in place where students can fill out a form or something like that. And so this person is saying that a big portion of the number of people that are coming to see her are from the same person. So, or the same people. So she has frequent flyers. We all have the frequent flyers. And so she's saying that even though she has let this student know that, okay, you know, only fill out one form. I'll get to you when I can. This person is filling out repeated forms. So what would you do whenever you've given this person you've had that initial conversation, they continue to fill out the forms. What would you do? Are you going to answer that? Or you I want can me answer to? that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I think the, what I would do is, of course, if you have school-based mental health or a school-based social worker in place, I would let that student know that, hey, you know, I've seen you 12 times in the past, whatever. Hopefully you're collecting data and data in this situation would be very powerful to use not only with the student, but let me, let me continue. Um, but to say to the student, I've seen you 12 times in the past two weeks, that is too much, you know, and, and have that conversation that clearly I'm not able to meet the needs that you have. I think you would benefit from talking to someone else. So I'm going to make a referral or even having the conversation with the parent um, to make that referral and have that data on hand to say, hey, this is, you know, I've seen this child, whatever. Well, you know, we talked about sometimes we're not the person that meets the need of that child. And if they have become, and I have had those students who a lot of it just is an attachment issue. Mm -hmm. Like they just need, um, they just need to see me and, and they, that can be unhealthy also. So learning their boundaries of, we have a set time I need to see you at that set time and then having a conversation about what is an emergency and what is not an emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, But after they're aware of what is non, what is an emergency, what is not emergency. If it's an emergency all the time, they need, they need to be, there needs to be a meeting and this student needs to be referred to a therapist if it's constant emergency or constant need. But if it's an attachment issue, if it is um, an issue where they're getting out of class, I mean, there can be all kinds of things. You just set those boundaries of this is the day that I will see you. And if they break that boundary continually and it's non-emergency and there you're, I would think your options are, is there someone else that might be there that that might be another resource for this student and it it could be anybody in the school so that it's not just draining that counselor counselor can be drained from this constant student Mm -hmm. or we move on to a therapist but um so you've you've got those options i think we sometimes instead of just addressing it head on and i have been guilty of this i've been guilty of this this year instead of addressing it head on and having a plan in action, I just let it continue to nag at me and bother me, you know, and it's just to the point where I go, oh, 
yeah. you know, because they're at the door pecking or like, like, are they sending in that? I want to see the counselor. So I think you really have to take that time to set those boundaries and do it because it will drive you. It will, it will drive you crazy. And it's not helping. It's not healthy for the student. Yeah. Well, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about using those unsung heroes in your school. And Mm -hmm. so I think this is a great opportunity for you to, I use the art teacher a lot at my school because most of our students love art. Yeah. So I, I use her a lot for kind of a check-in check-out system where they can go to her and just a quick check-in hug, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, finding those other people in your school and And that's still an extension of your school counseling program. Absolutely. It is. And we have to remind ourselves that we're school counselors. We are not therapists. Mm -hmm. And if that's what they're coming for, we need to get them help, the help that they need. Uh, And we, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't give a high five, you know, a a knuckle. And as we go by, but we have our, we have our time, you know, I've got that time. I can't wait. I'll see you Thursday. And, you know, just that check-in, how's it going and giving them the opportunity, but try to stick to those boundaries. Very good. Well, I, this is, these are no easy answers. And I know that counselors across the United States are listening and they have other ideas and other thoughts, but this is why it's so important to have discussions with other counselors and have opportunities to talk about this. But anyway, I hope that this, these are, these are just things that are happening. It's not just happening to you. It's happening to all of us, and it's just good sometimes to talk it out. You would not believe the times that Laura and I call each other uh, and say, what would you do? And so just checking ourselves, just to yeah. do, especially this time of year, we're tired, we're busy. Did I handle this right? Can I handle this differently? And even Carolyn Stone has said, when you are thinking, am I doing the right thing? Check. Yeah, I have yeah. a check. And, um, sometimes we know it's the right thing, but we still need that affirmation from somebody, another good counselor. So have those people that you check with that know school counseling and can help you make these, because we're dealing with all the, and there's so many more that we have so many questions. These are just a few that we just pulled kind of randomly today, but there's so many things out there that counselors have questions about. We're all dealing with it together. Well, that's true. And I would like to do this again, because I think there's value in, I mean, this is a great way of checking yourself. I hope that as we were answering this, I hope that you were kind of formulating your own answer and seeing if it matched ours. And maybe it didn't because we're idiots. Sometimes we would love to have other questions. So, you know, send us, send us your questions. If you have a a burning question and we'll do this again. Sounds good. Okay. Any closing thoughts? I will tell you one closing thought that I've had. Oh boy. We have the opening thoughts. We have the closing thoughts. Well, this is, this has been bothering me for a while, but we have a whole lot more listeners than we do viewers, which I'm very grateful for that (laughs) because (laughs) we do throw this out on YouTube just because we're already recording it. So we, we think, well, why not? Yeah. Every week I notice I have one perfect eyebrow. This one is perfect. 
this one, it's good right here, but then it drops off on the angle and you, it looks like I don't have anything there. It always looks like you're just asking a question there. One eyebrow up. <laughs> I am very proud of my eyebrows. Because they've grown in. Thank the Lord. That's a praise <laughs> report right there. <laughs> no idea what this mat is doing on my head. But anyway, no, nobody needs to look at your eyebrow. That is... And nobody needs to look at your bangs because as I was trying to have a serious moment and ask these questions, if you're just a listener, I don't mean that like just a listener, we're very grateful for our listeners, but if you're not watching this and please don't start now, no, if you are not watching this, then you wouldn't know that during one of these serious questions, Kim's hair fell into her eyes. Like I'm like, have you washed your hair in the past decade? Have you washed your hair in the past decade? That's all I want to know. I decided I I hang to the left. (laughs) I put it over on the other side and it's just, I don't, I don't part. Does that sound better? That's better. It doesn't part. And I decided to go rogue. And part the other way. It's a very hard part too that you did today. And now it is protesting by like it's trying to creep back over to the other side. So you're in the training process. You're training. I know. I will never do this again. I am literally wearing a dead cat on my head. <laughs> well, I have a haircut this week, so that's another praise report. Let me have that haircut. Yes. So how about drawing in those eyebrows? <laughs> I am going to do better. But I did notice this one other episode. And so I tried to go a little bit harder on this side. And then it just looked like Uncle Leo from Seinfeld where he drew in his, <laughs> he drew in his eyebrows. I looked angry but, the whole day. And you know, you now Laura will go with me to my eyebrow person. And now it's getting sketchier because she is no longer in the, in a, she's in her own home. Oh, hey, this is progress. You drive around to the basement and it's like you have, you knock on the door until she comes to get you. And then you go through the unfinished basement, but she's the best. She is the best. I'm going to tell our listeners this. I was holding your hand, what, almost three years ago, now right before our Boston trip. And you had decided to DIY your eyebrows, which yes. after the back waxing incident, uh, you would think I would give up wax completely you would think, but you DIY'd your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know how that lady was going to make any, what was she going to do with it? Yeah. But and she, she did. I watched a miracle, and a miracle, miracle, right? It was a miracle. I yeah. Mean, you had no hairs left and she it was, somehow, it was, yeah. She found I them. And these are real baby. This is yeah. real as they, as another Seinfeld episode. This is real, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, join our Facebook group and you can ask any question in there. We have people that ask questions, ask for advice, or just talk about burnout. You know, it is that time of year. So yeah. it is a great group of supportive people. So you can join our Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram. You can join our newsletter. We send out uh, pretty weekly, maybe bi-weekly um, emails with freebies or just things that we're talking about. So join our, 
our email group. And we always love it when people rate and review our podcast because that helps other school counselors find us. And I think that's it. So did you think that's it? Yeah. Okay. Have a great week.